Token females, I want to welcome to the show Dr. Doris Day. And I could personally talk to her all day long about beauty secrets, but I want to know also about her business secrets. So let's get a very warm welcome to Dr. Doris Day. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on with you. I have been enthralled with you for many years. About five years ago, I saw you on Entertainment Tonight, and I couldn't stop watching how you are so confident, graceful, and your compassion with everything you were talking about really grabbed me. So for the past five years, I've purchased your book. I've watched you on Instagram. I follow your skincare regimens. I couldn't be more happy to have you on today. And we're going to hear about your story. So I'd love to just jump right in and hear about you. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, who doesn't love talking about themselves? So here we are all about me, me, me. (laughs) So much fun. I actually come from a family of doctors. And so in my family, you could do whatever you want as long as you ultimately become a doctor. And I always (laughs) like to think of myself as my dad's youngest apprentice because I hung out with him a lot and would go on rounds with him to see his patients when he'd let me, even as a small child of five or six years old. And then as I got older, I was his biller and his scheduler because he was an anesthesiologist. So we could do that from home. And so I learned a lot about that side of it, about sort of helping patients schedule. And I spoke with them on the phone. And so many of them would schedule their surgeries around him, even over the surgeon, because they didn't get sick after their surgeries. And my dad always taught me that you have to take care of the whole person, that they had to believe in you and have confidence. And you had to know whatever was in the textbooks, but that was just your starting point, not how you actually treated patients, that it was very personal when you treated patients. And then when I was a teenager, my sister, who was 18 months younger than me, we were very, very close. We used to say we had invisible glue. And we spent, you know, we shared a room, we shared all our toys, most of our clothing. We did everything together. She got cancer and passed in six months. And that was, you know, you have these defining moments in your life. And for me, it kind of came out of nowhere because she was fine and then she wasn't and then she didn't come home. And there was no discussion about it. There was no explanation for me. There was no family meetings because culturally, it's not what we did in my family. And it took me years and years to sort of come to terms with it all, but it sort of drove what happened to me over the next 40 years of my life, even to this day, because a lot of what I do is really meant to honor her and to try to be a better person and live the best life I can and give back what I can, because I owe her that. I owe her life is my energy and it is my heart. So, but I, you know, you kind of hit rock bottom and then you come out of it and you realize that you have choices. You can sink and sort of follow that path or you can find a way to rise above. So I became a journalist. You know, I studied literature and philosophy in college, which helped me a lot because it's a study of humanities and it helped me understand about the human condition, which was really, really important. And then through becoming a medical reporter, I especially in the time of HIV, I learned to sort of collect the scoop and sort of share those stories and start to tell her story in a public way as as I wrote my books. But I did always say I was going to be a doctor and I did always want to be a doctor, partly because I wanted to understand what happened to my sister. I thought it would help me to feel better if I could understand what happened. And part of it was because I wanted to help other people not have that same experience of loss and grief And I became a dermatologist because when I was reporting, HIV was a new condition. And one of the major presenting signs was Kaposi's sarcoma, which is a cancer 
that's found in sort of elderly Mediterranean Greek men, but now was happening to these young, otherwise healthy men in a much more aggressive way. But one of the major findings was in the skin. And so I became aware of dermatology as a specialty. And then as I was doing internal medicine, which I did before I did dermatology, so I did two different residencies and some research. And I worked in a research lab along the way. So I had all these little things because my dad always said education was important. And I figured I sort of took that and ran with it and just kept going through more and more studies. And finally, my husband one day just said, you know, you got to stop this. You have to go out and get a job. But through doing internal medicine, I realized that if I told somebody to lower their salt or quit smoking because they'd have, you know, lower risk of stroke and cancer and emphysema, they'd be like, eh, okay. But if I said to give up those things because you wouldn't have puffy eyes and you wouldn't have sallow skin or wrinkles around your mouth or your eyes, all of a sudden everybody followed what I said. And so I realized the path to deeper medical well-being and mental well-being is often through the skin. And I could see that difference in very important ways. And having studied internal medicine and going to medical school, you learn about all the other organ systems. I realized that things you see in those organ systems, every organ, whether the heart, the liver, the kidneys, the brain, your intestines, all of it shows in your skin in some form or other. And so as a dermatologist, I don't think people realize how much we have to know about internal medicine, infectious disease, oncology, tropical diseases, because anything that bites you, anything that's in your environment, all those allergies, all those things that manifest in the skin, we need to be medical detectives. And I have to be that reporter trying to get the scoop, trying to really sort through that history to understand what's going on. And then in terms of aesthetics, this is the end of my little story, is that when I started my practice in 1998, Botox wasn't even FDA approved yet. We had basic fillers that were made out of collagen. We had Zyderm and Zyplast which lasted three months and basically were line erasers. We knew so little about anatomy. Even surgeons knew surgical anatomy, but we really knew very little about the different pets and the skin and the process of aging. So I got to grow up and by just being one of the only people there, was able to do many of the clinical trials for the products that are now FDA approved and sort of become that opinion leader as I learned and grew and sort of added back into the pool of knowledge and learned from the people around me who were brilliant thinkers who helped guide me and help me improve and hone my own skills. So it's been a really fun, interesting journey that I get to ride that wave and just enjoy the ride and keep learning and growing. And I feel so privileged and lucky to get to do it. And I'm grateful for every minute of it. Wow, that's an amazing story. And token females, I love that she talked about her values and that what her familial values really impart on her, her father with education, her sister's memory and story that drives her every day. And truthfully, tying back everything she learned as non-traditional journalist and put into now, she is a Sherlock Holmes of skin and beyond. I would love for you to be able to tell us a few things, Dr. Day, about how can we age in a graceful way today? You know, I think about this aging gracefully, and so many people confuse aging gracefully with aging helplessly. And they think that if they do anything, whether it's a neuromodulator like Botox, or if it's a laser treatment or even surgery, they're no longer aging gracefully, but they've manipulated the process somehow. But in reality, a lot of what we treat in our 
processes of doing in-office or at-home treatments is really reversing some of the transgressions from our younger years. So when we're younger, we sort of take for granted that our skin is oh, not always going to look this good, right? So we think, oh, no, you know, this day is the only important day and I'm otherwise immortal. So people go on the sun, they add the iodine and baby oil and the reflectors. I don't even know how people come up with this stuff. My dad never let me sit in the sun because he knew it was bad for your skin. It made it wrinkle. But people do all these destructive things, whether they drink or smoke or stress or don't sleep enough and go out in the sun and just ignore their skin. And then they wake up one day and I hear it over and over at about 40 one day my skin just fell apart. And that's not natural. That's pathologic. So what I try to do is start as early as possible and get people sort of onto a path of healthy skin routines. Number one is sun protection. And understanding that 90% of how your skin ages is under your control. Only 10% of how your skin ages is genetic. So it doesn't matter if you're Irish, white, or if you have a high family history of wrinkling and skin cancer, there's so much you can do. You can't control those parts, but there's so much you can do to help optimize your skin so that even if those things were to happen, they'll happen much, much later, like even after your lifespan. You can put it off that far. And that regimen is starting out with sunscreen, proper cleansing of the skin, it's both external and internal, and it's mental. So we go through all those steps about managing your stressors. And in my book, Beyond Beautiful, I really talk about how what you see, whether it's hair loss or rashes around the eyes or wrinkling of the skin or lines around your mouth, how so much of that can be tied to what's going on internally. And by recognizing and making that connection, you don't use this garbage basket word of stress that's like a catch-all phrase, but you actually parse out exactly what type of stressor is causing that particular reaction. And one of the things I love about the skin is that I don't want to just be a drug pusher and sort of say, okay, you have this rash or this breakout, use this cream, it'll go away. I always think that it's an opportunity to say, okay, why is this coming out when it is where it is? And when we address that connection, then I can still prescribe those things, but you'll get better faster and it won't come back as much or as often or at all. So I had a patient who came in and she had this terrible rash around her eyes and I could see she's sitting there and she's just rubbing her eyes and they're terribly itchy and she hasn't had this rash before. And I said, okay, well, you know, I give you this cream, but in my experience, when somebody is doing this around their eyes, it's often because there's something that either they don't want to see or something they don't want somebody else to see in them. So I'm not analyzing you, but I would just ask you to consider, is there something going on that maybe you don't want to see or know about that you know inside is an issue? And she came back a year later. And I was happy to see her again. She was just in for a full body check. And she said, you know, last time I was here, you told me about this rash in my eyes and the cream helped and it was great. And I said, okay. And she says, but I didn't like what you said. It actually really upset me. But I went home and I thought about it. And I had been living with my boyfriend and I knew something was wrong. And I didn't want to address it. I didn't want to see it. But I knew that he was seeing somebody else. And because of what you said, I just asked him the question. And the relationship ended, which it needed to anyway. I mean, it had to go there, but the rash has never come back and I barely use the medicine. And so it was that opportunity to have that conversation. And my hope is that when we look at our skin, we understand that appearance has value and it's communication. 
whether or not you choose to do anything, you're communicating something with the way you either put yourself together, the way you take care of yourself, or the way you don't. And all of that is something that when we understand it, it doesn't take a lot to make a very big difference. Some of it is just facial exercises, but it has a lot of power. And it's really amazing for me to see those transformations in my patients as we go along through the years, sometimes combined with treatments, but not always. Wow, that's really good advice. And thank you for sharing that patient story. I know that's going to touch a lot of the listeners today. And just because it is that time right now, we're heading into the drier season, and now we have a new accessory, the mask. (laughs) Do you have any tips, hints, tricks, products, anything that we should be using and be aware of as we go into the season? Yeah, there's a few that I'm really excited about. So one thing is not all masks are made the same. And I have been wearing masks and face coverings and looking at all different ones and brands and and having my own issues with them and seeing them in my patients. So the first thing I'm seeing as a problem is people are talking about hair loss and hair shedding from the stress of COVID. And the second is breakouts around the mask. And a lot of the mask fabrics are not designed to be pushed up against the face for this. We're using materials that we happen to have around, whether it's at home or a fabric store. It's just using materials that they have. And those materials were not designed for the delicate skin of the face. Your breath is designed to go away from your face, not land back on your skin. And the microenvironment around the skin should be more consistent with the air, not with your breath. When the breath gets trapped in the mask and pushed back to your skin, all that humidity, which is also packed with microbes, can end up leading to something called dyshydrosis. So you get too wet and humid from wearing the mask. When you take it off, your skin gets overly dried out because now all that water evaporates off the skin and pulls water out with it. Your skin doesn't like that dyshydrosis. It actually causes the outer layers to separate a little bit which is breakdown of the skin. And then those microbes that are not normal to the skin environment now start invading and creating all of these different types of reactions in the skin with inflammation, skin breakdown, bumps that look like acne, but are not acne. And then people start treating them like acne or rosacea. And some of those medicines can make it worse, like salicylic acid, especially in high concentrations or high concentrations of glycolic acid can add to the irritation because they exfoliate even more. And now your skin is even more raw than it was. So there's two things. One is a company that I started consulting for called New Fabrics, and they make health wear. So these fabrics are actually each fiber is infused with shea butter, and it also has copper infused. So that gives you protective qualities and hydration. And it's also very breathable fabric that doesn't pull behind the ears and is snug on the face so that you have this breathable fabric that doesn't build up heat or humidity and then has elements that are protective to the skin. So I like that. I also then realized that there is a need. So I actually created a product called the All Day Mask and it's a skin protective serum that you put on even on top of your makeup. So you put your serums, your moisturizers, your makeup if you want to wear makeup, and then you put this serum on. And the serum has an Invisishield. So it's a dimethicone and lipid polymer-based shield that also has in it niacinamide, elantoin, aloe, green tea, zinc. And so it has antiseptic properties, skin protective properties, 
and it protects your makeup from ending up on your mask as well. So I loved that mask product and I realized that I didn't want to repurpose what was out there. So I just made something new and it's actually now I just filed for patent for it. So that's another product that I realized there was a need for that I, I've been working on for a few months to create. And I have a great lab that I've worked with that uses the most amazing sourced ingredients. So I know it's like even the aloe, I had to wait for it because the source of the ingredients for me has to be incredibly pure. A lot of times when you have natural ingredients, they can be contaminated with things like poison ivy or other native plants that are in the neighborhood of where that plant grows. And unless you know the sourcing, you don't know the purity of those products. Wow, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Ladies, men, write that down. New fabrics. And I want everyone to give Dr. Day some shout outs and follows on Instagram at, at Dr. Doris Day. And that is at Dr. Doris Day. You're going to get straight shooting, fact-based, amazing information from Dr. Day. And we are so grateful for your time today because I know you're incredibly busy running your practice and really just helping women get better. And I'm so appreciative for you, Dr. Day. Oh, thank you so much. I'm looking at your picture and you are so beautiful. And that just reminds me too that you have beauty on so many levels. And I also love your voice. But we all have beauty, and I hope that your listeners, women or men, young or old, will look in the mirror, and the first thing they should see is their beauty. We can always enhance and celebrate our best qualities, but we have to know that older is better, that we all have beauty within us, and so much to be grateful for, no matter our circumstances. There are days that are really hard and times that are hard, but there's always room for gratitude and to look at ourselves with kind eyes. Thank you so much for that. In a time of so much negativity out there, hearing those words from you, and you're such a beauty and professional that, you know, remember, ladies and gentlemen, just believe in yourself. That's right. So thank you, Dr. Day. And we look forward to see what you have coming out and check her out also at her webpage and get some of that, what was it, all over mask? The all day mask. So everything has mask. a play on, on the word day because that's because of my name. <laughs> you do have the best name for that. I love it. <laughs> uh, and thank you, Dr. Day. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Day.